Hey everyone, it's Ramon and welcome to the Human Optimization Podcast, science-based tools to optimize your physiology, master your mind, and unlock your potential. And in this episode, Josh Davis joins the show. Josh is the author of the international bestseller, Two Awesome Hours, science-based strategies to harness your best time and get your most important work done. He coaches and trains people in the art of public speaking, time management, and adaptability, His work has appeared in the Harvard Business Review, Fast Company, Business Insider, Huffington Post, Strategy and Business, Training and Development, People and Strategy, The Neuroleadership Journal, and Psychology Today, and of course, Brain First Magazine. And today, we are going to be talking about productivity. But before we get into the episode, a quick word from our sponsor, Brain First, Earthgrown Evidence-Based Nutrition, one of the products that I love and I take every workday to fire up my brain and get laser-like focus and into flow quickly is Genius Mode. It took me years of research and testing to formulate Genius Mode for Brain First, basically because I was sick of having dozens of bottles and powders to have to mix together all the different ingredients to give me the effect that I wanted. So Genius Mode has the best science-backed ingredients for peak mental performance in meaningful doses supported by experimental data. I personally take it shortly after I wake up with a decaf coffee and the focus and drive and motivation and mental clarity lasts all day and there's no nasty side effects or sleeping problems that you get from some of those other supplements that have a ton of caffeine in them. Now to get Genius Mode, use code RAMON for 10% off in addition to any subscription discounts you get at BrainFirst. Just head to mybrainfirst.com and you'll see a bunch of reviews from other people who are absolutely loving this product. mybrainfirst.com, code RAMON for 10% off and get your brain an instant upgrade. Let's get into the episode. Enjoy, my friends. Josh, welcome to the show. Thank you. So nice to be here. Uh, You know, also, uh, so nice to be kind of back chatting with you again. We had the chance to talk before, and so I was looking forward to this, uh, to getting to be a part of this. Yeah, I think um, last time, it was a similar kind of thing. We started getting into talking about productivity and what's going on and uh, in our lives and in our businesses and that sort of thing. And I'm like, maybe we should like just save this for the actual podcast. I think I remember we did we did the same thing last time as well. Right. Uh, we spoke for like half an hour before I'm like, well, maybe we should start the recording. Probably should have recorded that. <laughs> yeah. There's some good stuff in there. So um, there are, of course, a ton of different books on productivity out there. Uh, yours is very unique. I think it has a lot of seemingly unorthodox strategies and many of them uh, are used on a daily basis. There's some, there's some fantastic, um, um, strategies and techniques in there. I'm curious, first of all, how did you manage your own productivity when you were writing the book on productivity Mm. compared to like a normal day to day kind of thing? Right, right. Well, because before writing the book, I didn't know it all. And so how could I possibly have? <laughs> it's, uh, um, you know, I actually did improve uh, my productivity as I wrote the book. Um, because I, you know, I would have hypotheses about things to do, but I would go out and I would actually learn some things. And, and either it ended up making me take it more seriously, or I actually learned that there were some things I was doing that were getting in the way, some things where there was more of a nuance. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was a very different experience for me than what I often hear people say. I really enjoyed writing the book. And yeah, I know that most people don't say that. And for me, if I hadn't enjoyed it, I don't think I would have written it. You know, I couldn't, it, it just, 
it would have been a slog. It wouldn't have been the same book. It would have taken much longer. Um, so, you know, part of it was that, uh, you know, especially that first strategy in the book, the recognizing your decision point, that I, I kind of took that very seriously. Like if you just took that and you ran with it, you know, if you're just like, if this is 100% true, what would that really mean? And I was starting every day by really checking in with myself, where am I? You know, what's the important stuff that I'm kind of inspired about right now? You know, what's really rigid in my calendar and what's not, you know? Uh, and so there, were a, there was a lot more of really being deliberate and intentional about how I wanted to use my time and whether I was in, you know, a good state to think clearly. If I was too tired, even if I wanted to write, I just thought, you know what, this is going nowhere. And I wouldn't try. But if by, you know, otherwise, I, I was often finding myself in a position where, you know, I, I would have to stop before I wanted to. So then I was eager to get going the next time. I'd wake up in the morning, I'd have ideas. And I would just kind of like think about it and just wouldn't even look at my calendar I'd think about what's important today. And the calendar was just kind of only a, a last minute, let me just double check to make sure I'm not going to make any mistakes or fail to show up for a meeting, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, uh, and I would get down to it. Um, you know, so I ended up having a lot of these little chunks of two awesome hours that I was devoting to the book. Cause for me, that was the most important thing during that time period. Right. And so work-wise, uh, it was the most important thing. So I would have these, like these chunks where I was really at my mental best. Um, I was present for it, uh, you know, and, um, I leveraged that. And sometimes that would happen in the evening. Sometimes it would happen in the morning. Sometimes it would be on a weekend. Sometimes, you know, it was during the middle of the day and I just decided to reschedule as much as I had the flexibility to do um, things that were on my calendar. And it ended up causing me then to be more thoughtful about whether to even get back to some of the other things. Because, you know, you start on so many things that don't matter anyway, right? <laughs> I do. I still do, even though I know all of this, but I, I do it less now. You know, and I find that if I just give it that time, focus on the important stuff, when I do come back, I'm in a different place mentally. It's easier for me to judge what really needs my attention. I don't know if that actually answers the question or not, <laughs> but that's uh, where my mind went when you asked. Let's just uh, talk about these decision points for a moment. And let me share a, a quick, uh, th- this is how I Uh, implement it and then maybe you can expand on the idea and what this actually means for people so I typically set what I do first thing in the morning the night before because I don't wake up well (laughs) Uh, it's a not so great experience so I'm half asleep and I basically go straight to my desk and it's a great way for me to hack uh, the the procrastination and the oh what should I do today like it's already decided the routine is very simple I go straight to the desk and I get straight into that first thing and that really sets this the the theme for the day for me it's like right okay these are things that are important to me and I'm going to get them done but then after a while you know like everyone else I get a little bit distracted and then I get potentially reactive in terms of I know I should be getting stuff done what what you know, what can I get done next? What else is there? You know, tick off the, these things off my to-do list. And so what I've got is a series of activities that take me away from my desk, like going for a walk, like making a drink, 
uh, like having my um, pre-workout meal, um, going and having a shower, like all these sorts of things. And I use those strategically when I feel I'm getting to a point where I'm where I'm feeling reactive or I'm feeling um, I should be doing something and I'm not being productive anymore. That's the trigger for me to do one of these activities that take me away from my desk. And then I get the opportunity to kind of think through, all right, now what's the next most important thing? So when I come back, I'm back to being productive again. And it's probably the most productive period of time I've ever had in my entire life right now using just that main strategy. Just that piece. There. There's something you said that I want to highlight that uh, for anyone who wants to kind of copy what you're doing, you said you use, you have this sense I'm not being productive anymore. And you use that as a trigger. Now here's a turning point, right? Most people use that as a trigger to say, I just need to do something. What's wrong with me? Let me be productive. Let me just grab whatever, you know, anything to be productive. Let me cross something off the list, right? And so they'll just go for what's right there. Instead, that's the moment to do exactly the opposite, right? Because what's happening in that moment, psychologically, you're in a position where you have much greater awareness than you typically do. You're not on autopilot anymore, right? It's a great indicator. That discomfort is an indicator you're not on autopilot, right? So you could actually step back in a way that you just don't have the capability to when you're in the middle of a task. And you've got to take advantage of that moment because they don't come around very often. So you use that as a trigger, that feeling of being unproductive to step back and do something else until you're in a place where you really do have your mental faculties uh, you know, back at peak. And you can reset. We can reset in all kinds of ways by letting your mind wander, by getting some exercise, drinking some water, you know, refreshing, all kinds of things. You know, so long as you're not doing things that don't let you reset, like reading Facebook, reading the news, checking email, things like that, right? But uh, so long as you're doing the right things to reset, then you can come back and you can be very thoughtful about what's the, what's the important stuff that really matters, and then how can I get to it, and is this the right moment for it? So, you know, learning to recognize, you know, it's one thing in the book I've talked about how we're on autopilot most of the time, but occasionally you get these moments you can turn into decision points. But in terms of operationalizing that, having these triggers that help to, you know, that you can watch out for is really key. And I think that that feeling of I'm not being productive is one of the best triggers to keep an eye out for. So I, that's a, like a piece I really wanted to highlight from what you said. Mm. And, and it is that feeling. It's, like, it's a slightly uncomfortable feeling for me. That, that's the point where when I become aware of it, and I kind of feel almost slightly agitated, which probably means that I'm not progressing any further. Uh, typically, this happens if I'm, you know, reviewing the literature. I'll get a few papers in, um, and I'll, I'll find myself, you know, getting three quarters to the end of a, a, a like an experiment or something, and like my mind's kind of drifting. And then I'll go back over the sentence again, and I'm just, and then I start to feel agitated. I'm like, right, that's the point. I've got to get up away and move away from my desk. It's time to leave. <laughs> mm -hmm. And and oftentimes it can be three minutes into moving. Like, let's say I choose to go for a walk. Okay. I'm going to go for away a walk and your desk and your phone. Yeah. Like, I you bring your phone with you. Oh, my, my, you're just staring at it. Yeah. It's not actually letting you recharge. Yeah. Well, well, that's the other thing is, is that the first, those first, um, really five, possibly six hours in the morning, you know, if I'm doing six till 12, um, my phone's off 
and it's not even in with arm's reach. I can't, I can't have that there um, out of the room oftentimes. Um, but even yeah. if it's like, you know, it's a dark phone, it's on top of a dark book. So it's like, I can't even, I can't see it. I don't know where it is. Um, uh-huh. So that's not even, even nearby to distract me. That's nice. I find I don't need to do that personally, that it's okay to have it here. But what I've done is to teach myself that when I do automatically pick up the phone, right? If I'm not able to pay attention and I find myself reaching for the phone because I've kept it close, that uh, my trick is I flip it open and what I do is I go to the photos tab and I look at pictures of my kids, <laughs> right? Instead of going to check the news or checking email or things like that. And then, you know, it's just sort of like, that's my like, you know, it's like the phone came into my hand, but then this is my way back out. Right. Yeah. But, but I, I love the idea of just having it out of reach because so often it's, you know, I encourage everyone who's listening, just do an experiment one day, see what happens, you know, uh, like I think the odds are you're not going to lose your job. You're not going to lose your friends. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like if it's really critical, if you know that your job requires you to have that thing on you, then of course, right. Yeah. Have it on you. But if you're willing to do that experiment and you think it's safe enough, I encourage you to try it and see what happens. Like, do you really get survive the day? Are there perhaps some benefits? If you find that you, you know, it's not, I'm not saying don't get back to people within 24 hours. Of course, be professional. Mm. But I am saying, see how far you're willing to push those limits within something that feels safe for you. But uh, you may discover that it really is, it's uh, the limit is probably much farther than you, mm, than you think. Mm. I think, I mean, I have the benefit of uh, being in a time zone where most of the business is in a completely separate time zone. So I can kind of, you know, make that work for me when there's a long period of time where I don't have to get back to people at all because they're not Uh even going to be at work anyway. Um, But I'm sure it makes it, it makes it easier. People do start work at 4am for just for that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think one of the other things having the phone, this is, and you know, I'm, I'm pretty good in terms of the self control of not being distracted by the phone. But one of the main reasons why I, um, keep the phone off and, or oftentimes I put it out of the room is that I found myself being more relaxed with my day when the phone wasn't around. And uh, perhaps, and, and I haven't looked into this to see whether it's, you know, by having it there, um, it's a constant um, distraction. Even if my attention is drawn to it momentarily, uh, you know, what are the things going on in the brain that is maybe draining my mental energy or increasing my levels of arousal, uh, what's going on neurochemically that would increase my uh, unease during that period of time. And when I put the phone out of the room or away or, or turned it off, which to me it means now nothing's happening with it, I just felt more relaxed. And so I just kept that trend going. Uh, aside from any of the, you know, the... Um, productivity distraction that it may have been causing me. Right. I, I would think, I would think a lot of people would assume it'd be the opposite. My phone's out of reach. I'm going to be so nervous about what am I missing? Yeah. Right. And then your experience was actually, I find that I'm a lot less nervous. Yeah. And of course, a big part of being in a great state for work is to calm those nerves. These days, most people are over anxious. Mm. You know, it's, it's usually not an issue anymore of, you know, how do I get myself started? I've got no, you know, energy. That that does happen from time to time, certainly on a tired day. 
you know, you need a little anxiety to get you going. Mm. Anxiety is useful that way, you know, and that's, of course, one of the things I talk about in the book also and about the, the value of emotions, right? But, uh, but too much is much more commonly the issue these days. So you might have that concern, but actually it could be quite the opposite. And I, and I think this, I think one of the reasons, and this is something that, that comes up in the, the chapter on Stop Fighting Distractions, is, uh, which I imagine that title for anyone listening is probably thinking, Yeah, what? We, we need to talk Record further scratch, about that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that, you know, one of the reasons is that the phone represents precisely the kinds of things, and this is by design, you know, precisely the kinds of things that would grab the attention of a human being. You know, it's, has, it's, it's alerting you or it represents the potential for all kinds of social obligations. Things that might need your attention where another person would care about it. So, you know, that, that just, I mean, that stuff is what the human brain is designed to be scanning for. We have these attentional systems that are not designed to stay focused. You know, they, if we were designed to just sit still and stay focused, it would have to have been a very different world. We need to detect what's changing, what's novel, what's threatening, you know, otherwise you just would have been eaten for lunch at some point, you know, millions of years ago. So, so we've got these systems that are constantly scanning for what to shift your attention to. And so if there's anything in your visual field, it's going to get picked up. And even if it's not in your visual field, then there's tactile, if it buzzes, or audio, or just the knowledge of it when your mind drifts, and then you remember the phone, right? So there's, you know, you're more likely to if it's nearby, because it will, you know, the potential, it's uh, talking about the affordance that objects have, you know, if it's there, I could reach for it. And it just, it, it, it triggers the neural pathways involved in reaching for it, just the fact that it's there. So it is, it is brilliantly designed to be the thing that keeps getting your attention when you're scanning, and you're scanning constantly. You know, I mean, this is every few seconds. You're scanning for, for what might need your attention. Well, it's like, why do that to yourself when you're trying to focus on something important? You've already decided this is more important than other things you're doing. Why do that to yourself? And granted, there are moments where you need to be on alert. The most important thing is just to be present for emergency alerts. That happens. Some people's jobs are like that almost all day long, like an EMT or something. But most people are not. Mm. So you talk about uh, the importance of you know, focusing on your most important work, but then also that it's okay to give into distraction sometimes. How do we find that balance? So it's important to distinguish what types of distractions we're talking about. Please. So um, there can be distractions in the form of somebody comes over and wants to talk to you. There's distractions, you know, like they want your attention to work on their problem. There's distractions like emails and, you know, any kind of social media. Uh, you know, there's, so there's, there's all those kinds of things that can come and take your attention. Those are external distractions. Um, now, sometimes a social, if it's really a social engagement and it's a friend come over and you do, and you kind of laugh and joke around, it has nothing to do with work, you know, or even if it does have to do with work and you're brainstorming about something, that tends to give people energy um, and is a much different kind of thinking than what they were doing when, on whatever task they got distracted from. And so that can be refreshing. But apart from that, external distractions are going to continue to tax the same kind of mental resources that you've just worn out. That's the whole reason why you can't focus. It's because <laughs> you've been wearing them out. And we do have limited 
uh, certain limited resources. And when I say limited, I don't, it's, it's, um, it's not like a, a, you know, it's not like a gas tank where it literally gets empty. A human being could keep on pushing and with sufficient motivation, you know, you could keep running. If you've been running and you're worn out, if somebody's chasing you with a knife, you could keep running. But for the most part, you're really getting worn out and it's getting harder and harder. That happens with, especially with certain functions that require the prefrontal cortex, like decision-making, self-control. Um, so some of the things that we call the executive functions, um, deliberate focus. So when you do these things, it becomes harder to do them afterwards, even if you're, even if you're not making important decisions. So you, you, it still becomes harder to do these things afterwards. So if I make 20 decisions when I write an email, even if it's not an important email. You know, what's the other person going to think of me? Should I have said this and not that? Should I include this information? <laughs> Should I, you know, CC this person? Right? I'm wearing out that faculty. That faculty is critical for good, for, for a lot of the kind of good work we're doing, unless it's something that's just really creative. But even creative stuff, you know, like write, if it's creative writing, it still requires a lot of that focused energy. So, so anything that's going to be a distraction that's going to still keep taxing those resources is just going to make it harder for me to do good work after the distraction is gone. So I'm, I wouldn't say give in to those distractions, but there's a different kind of distraction that, you know, when your mind wanders, when you have gotten to that point where it's hard to stay focused, and this is a function of both the task and the person, like a, a blend of the task and the person, there will be a, a, a time probably after you've been going for about 15 or 20 minutes. It's usually not that long, but there will be a time when your mind starts to wander. And when that does, a typical thing is to try to fight it and say like, no, I've just got to keep focused. I've got to keep working. And the more you try to fight it, the more you just keep drifting because the same, you haven't recharged, the same factors are there, right? The thing to do is very counterintuitive, but the thing to do at that point is to let your mind wander, is to just, and when I say wander, that, that doesn't mean going to do those other things where you're taxing it more. While that might be fun to go and check Facebook, that's going to keep taxing this like focused attention and like trying to think, make decisions, things like that. Instead, really let it wander wherever it's going. Go stare out the window, you know, just listen to some music and just kind of let your mind notice what's happening. After a few minutes, you get bored. <laughs> and, uh, and then you're also refreshed. It turns out that people um, get better. At, when they let their minds wander, there's a number of benefits that you wouldn't get otherwise. So usually, usually you've got uh, either this goal-focused network in the brain active or this social processing network, thinking about your relationships to others. and, and uh, Task positive versus default mode. That's yeah, what exactly. you're referring to here. Exactly. And usually they're anti-correlated. But one of the few times when they're both active at the same time and you get some integration between what's socially important to you and what's important to you in terms of your, your other goals is when your mind is wandering. So there's this integration that just doesn't happen otherwise. What if your life were more integrated that way? And instead of fighting, it, you're finding these solutions. People plan better for the future without even realizing it when they let their mind wander. They're much more likely to be creative with problems they're trying to solve on. So these are all research-backed findings, right? So a lot of things happen when you let your mind wander that wouldn't happen. So you're actually really harming your productivity if you don't let your mind wander. And if you do try to just keep pushing through, then you're probably going to perform worse, right? Even though you feel like I've got to stay on task. If your mind is trying to wander, the best thing to do is to have some self-compassion, 
let it wander. You're going to be back to work pretty soon, a lot faster than if you start checking your email. And you're going to be more productive. So that's the kind of distraction that I say give into. And there's an art to knowing how to give into it so that you're really letting it wander. You're not looking at your phone unless you're looking at pictures of your kids and just sort of admiring it. And then your mind is kind of wondering, but even better would just be to not even be looking at the phone. You know, some of the kinds of things you described earlier are, are ideal for that. Going for a walk, um, looking out the window at the, at the forest or, you know, whatever you've got out the window, daydreaming, just letting your mind wander rather than, than, you know, the types of distractions that I imagine that, so many people would be drawn to, which is I'll check Instagram, I'll check Facebook, I'll jump on yeah. TikTok and I'll basically be, be entertained for a couple of minutes. <laughs> right, 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 exactly. Exactly. That entertainment is not going to, it's, it's going to keep grabbing your focused attention and it's not going to allow for that processing that's been going on in the background to continue and kind of do what it needs to do, what it's trying to do. There's one exception, which is kind of, having a good social time with another person. The thing is you can't predict what's going to come up in that conversation. And so oftentimes people start telling you about their problems or about work and then you're back to focus attention. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So if you end up actually just joking around, you know, or doing or creative, just being creative together, fine, then it works. Um, but, you know, so that one's hit or miss. What are some of the other things that we typically get wrong with trying to improve our productivity that um, maybe we're, we're trying to push for something that we believe to be true in terms of, you know, what we've learned from, uh, you know, everything that's in the, the pop literature and articles we've read online in terms of this is what you need to be doing. You need this morning routine. You need this. Um, uh, you need these things in place. What what are some things that we know that just don't work for a lot of people uh, that, that we need to perhaps bring a completely different perspective um, to some of the things you've been uh, talking about in the book? Well, okay. So, so here's one um, that I think is a very natural thing to try to assume that you need at first. Um, it's kind of like analogous to when somebody has a, a messy room in their house and they say, I just need to get organized. And one weekend they spend all this time putting all these things away, maybe even buy a new filing cabinet or a new bookshelf, you know, or some buckets or stuff and they sort it all. And then they never look at it months later, things are just piled up again and it's a mess. And it's just like, ah, oh, I did all this work to come up with this system. And like, like, what's wrong with me? And like, it never, right? And you will see there's certain, you know, I think it's common advice out there is to, you know, you, you make your lists and you keep checking your lists and you refine them, right? And, you know, you'd be like very efficient about uh, making sure you get to everything and inbox zero. And I recognize there are certain cases where people have designed their work so they can do it all on email, right? In that case, inbox zero makes a lot of sense. You know, there's a time and place for everything. But for many people, for most people probably, you know, if you're just trying to like have all these things that you're checking off, maximize every minute of the day, uh, maybe just pack in the extra hours, get everyone else to, it's kind of like one of those organizational systems at home. You've done this like, in theory, it's great, but there's so much maintenance that needs to happen. And it's not taking into account 
how you actually function day to day. And so, you know, it actually ends up creating a lot of work and oftentimes can get in the way of really like taking advantage of how a human being operates. You know, th- these, these methods would be great if you were trying to get a robot to, to be optimized, you know, you know, cause that's just, you get the same output from a robot all day long. Every, you know, it's like exactly the same productivity, you know, it doesn't matter what time of day, it doesn't need to reset, but human beings vary wildly in how effective we are. I can have like an amazing morning. I'm hitting it out of the park. I figure out how to write this article I'm working on. I totally figure out how to inspire this group of people to work together. You know, you know, I, whatever it is, right? Breakthrough with some coachy. You know, there's just I can have this amazing morning where I'm on it. I'm killing it, and then I can have three days where I just can't seem to get anything done, right? And just I know I'm not alone in that. <laughs> you know. <I> <laughs> Right. This is this is how human beings work. And within the same day, you know, you were just such a variation. So what I think is a smarter thing to do is to acknowledge that this is the case rather than fight it and to work with it. And this is, you know, to to ask yourself, I mean, in the language of the book, okay, what's the most important stuff? What really matters to me? How can I be awesome for that? How can I how can I bring it for that? Like it's this is game time. I want to actually be amazing. Like maybe I want to really be on it for this podcast, right? Maybe I really want to be on it for a certain pitch meeting. Maybe it's for my writing. You know, you're going to know for you what matters. You, you recognize that you can't be at your best all day long and that there will be some ups and downs even throughout the day. Some days you actually can be pretty amazing for the whole day. It does happen. Some days you're just not amazing at any point in the day, right? So you can also be aware as the day is going and make adjustments. You know, if I find myself, I didn't get good sleep and I'm tired, I don't try to take on the things that are going to be really, really challenging if I have any leeway because I know it's going to end up taking twice as long and I won't do as well. And then I'll feel defeated and think that it's an exceptionally hard challenge. So instead, I try to catch up on my email at those points. You know, I try to do my paperwork and submit my reimbursements at those points. And then I come back. So, so, you know, you need to have this kind of flexibility to, to be making choices intentionally throughout the day. What's most important? How am I going to be awesome for that? And maybe that means, in fact, often that means that there is something else I'm going to choose to say no to, you know, or sometimes that's going to be a product of me getting sleep, right? You know, or me deliberately choosing not to check email for the half hour before I have one of the biggest meetings of my life, you know, so that I'm not using up my, my decision-making faculties. Or if I've been over anxious, there's some ways to reset that. 20 minutes of moderate exercise is a virtual guarantee that you are then going to not be anxious for the rest of the day. A totally different relationship with exercise than we usually have, which is just about like, I'm going to try to live longer. I'll be healthier. Maybe I'll look better starting in three months. If you're doing that, it doesn't matter if you skip a day. It doesn't matter if you work out at night. But if you're strategically using it for that day in order to show up at your best, be able to let things go that don't matter, you know, be, be present, all the things that come with reducing your anxiety, well, then, you, you know, you've got this as a tool. So, like, to me, that's, I don't know how you work that in with one of these systems where it's about, like, you know, I'm just trying to pack it all in. I'm looking at my calendar and being most efficient with it. And I'm trying to, like, 
use all these lists for prioritizing. I mean, to me, I make a list. I do make a list every, every Monday for what I want to accomplish for the week. But I, I think it's, uh, you know, and certainly there's things that are scheduled on certain days, you know, and I have deadlines and things like that. But anything beyond that, I really think you're asking for trouble. Now, if you're the kind of person, sorry, one last thing on that. If you're the kind of person who just loves doing that kind of work and like it energizes you to do that organizational work to start the day, right? You know, instead of how most of us experience it, then by all means, you know, then, you know, so then go for it, you know, then that's great. Um, But I, I think that that kind of person is not the norm. Yeah. So if you are that type of person, you probably already know and it's already working for you. Uh, I've definitely tried to be that person many times, creating the perfect system, looking at my uh, circadian rhythm, you know, what tasks can I do at this time versus this time and structuring my day and rearranging it. Do I do the same thing at the same time every day? Do I have one day dedicated for just that one project? I've tried all these different things and none of them really stuck. And what you're saying is, is that there's a huge mismatch between this rigid, structured, efficient system, productivity system that we try and create and the dynamic, many variables that need to be considered uh, human condition. And sometimes they just don't go together and we need to be more, uh, we need to be more considered when it comes to how we are as a human and maybe not try and fit ourselves into such a, a rigid and structured approach. Yeah. Yeah. Allowing for that. Now I do think that there can be rituals that yeah. can be quite helpful, mm. but I would put them at the level of, you know, not that I'm going to write for an hour every day in the morning. And I recognize some people have produced books that way, Yeah, you know, so I'm not saying like, you know, like, but I also know that a lot of people who produce books that way find it a, to be a miserable experience. <laughs> Right. So, you know, for some people it works great. I'm not going to stop you. Right. But for many people the what I would suggest in terms of rituals would be the kind of thing where it's um, uh, like asking myself, what message do I want to give myself today? You know, that's a, a five minute ritual I might choose to do. And in fact, I have been doing for the last month uh, that uh, that I picked up from, uh, you know, a peer, you know, somebody else who, you know, works on productivity. And I, so I found that that helps me to get into an emotional state um, for the start of the day where I'm more likely actually to be at my best at the start of the day. And also because I've activated that thought in my mind, it helps me to regulate things later on in the day. As when I feel stressed, I can quickly go back to that message because it's so readily available. Right? And the message is different each day, but I found that those days that I do it, it's, you know, then I'm, I am more likely to be in a positive state. So there are certainly rituals, but I would gear those rituals towards how do I get into the right physical or emotional state to be at my best? Or how do I ensure that I think about what's important uh, and, you know, what resources I have psychologically Mm -hmm. today before I choose, you know, those kinds of things, Mm. right? As opposed to I'm always going to do X at X time. Mm. Uh, I think what I've found um, has worked the best for me experimenting with so many different things over the last, uh, certainly the last 10 years, but probably in one form or another over the last 20, is a combination of the two. 
So having, having some of the rituals, particularly the first thing in the morning, that's already set. I'm going to do that. But then after an hour and I go and take one of these breaks, like I've, I've got the top uh, five things that I need to do, behaviors that will progress each of my projects literally written up on the, on the wall here. And sometimes I just go by feel. So it's like I finish my morning, my morning thing. And then after that, I'm like, okay, um, I might not have any, any calls or anything, meeting, meetings or anything like that um, on for the rest of the day. Right. Out of these five things, which one would I like to progress now? Knowing that if I'm doing that all of the time, and this is what I found in terms of productivity and, and, and in increasing output is after a week, I've got so much more done than trying to um, keep to some sort of rigid schedule where I'm like, okay, I'll finish this particular project today. I'll finish this particular task tomorrow. And basically I think of it like um, building five separate houses. So there's, you know, five main projects I'm working on. All right, well, today I'll just put up a wall on this house and then or now I'll put up a wall on this house I'll do some tiling. After that, I'll do some tiling on this other house. After that, I'll put a window on this other house. And, you know, by the end of the week, I've got a room completed for each of the five houses. Whereas before I was way more rigid, way more structured in terms of I've got to get this house done first and then I'll move on to this next house and then I'll move on to this next house. And I found that over time, like over the weeks and then over the months and then after a year, I look back and go, I've just accomplished so much more than I ever thought possible just by progressing each one of these things each day and taking quite a relaxed approach to it. And I mm-hmm. think that speaks to the idea of the state. I'm going in with the right state because I'm not um, worried about it. I'm not super anxious about getting something done by a particular self-imposed deadline that, you know, some arbitrary date that I've set that's only meaningful for, or it's not really meaningful at all. Um, and, I, and I think that that speaks to the state thing. Mm-hmm. The, the, the state that you come in with, the attitude that we come in with can make such a difference to how, not just how we get things done, but how we feel afterwards and, of course, the, the output as well. That's right. You can even succeed and then beat yourself up for not having done enough, right? Anybody ever done that before? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Or it's just a horrible process, like you just don't enjoy the process at all. That's right. The whole time you feel like I'm behind, I'm behind, I'm behind, right? And you might be doing the same work. Oftentimes it's probably not, I, I, I would argue it's probably better. You know, I mean, I can't know, I can't look at your work done both ways, right? Because it'd be different projects and right, you know, it's totally ever done once. But, uh, but yeah, I, I would argue you're probably getting better work too. Another thing that your method, it sounds lovely, uh, that I think, helps with is that it makes it very easy to remember what the really important stuff is whenever you do step back and take a break. You know, it's so easy to say like, oh, well, I should probably get to this. I've been meaning to, and I'm, you know, busy, you know, it's like, I need to be productive and you just get started on it. And the end of the week comes, you're like, crap, I didn't work on this stuff again. Mm. So by having it right there as part of your ritual, so it's doing two things. It's helping you do that and take advantage of your decision points more easily, but it's also helping you manage your, your mental energy as I would describe it which is, you know, we've all, we all need to start thinking of that, in my opinion, as it's everything. (laughs) Yes, as that's your responsibility. You know, it's not like this just happens to you, but it is your responsibility to manage your mental energy. You know, to be both to think about where it is and leverage that best, and also to change it. 
And there is a lot that you can do to change it. You know, there's, there's ways to learn to reframe the meaning of any situation so that you can feel different about it. There's ways to, um, you know, take a break. There's exercise, there's food, there's, believe it or not, if you're feeling kind of irritable, odds are you're dehydrated and you should drink a glass of water, right? If you've had coffee and you're still falling asleep, odds are you need some water, <laughs> right? I mean, there's, you know, so long as you had enough sleep, right? Like there are some real basic things that we can do, but then there's also more cognitive, you know, really learning to rethink things, think differently, remember that message for yourself, for example, or, or uh, you know, think about, well, how would, how would Ramon, you know, think about this, you know, if, uh, right, you know, so it's like, that's, I, I want to encourage people to make that part of their responsibility to be managing their mental energy because it's such, it, it has so much to do with, with how effective you are. Mm. Guys, you need to get hold of this book, Two Awesome Hours. There are some, in, some, just, so some great strategies in here, not just about productivity, but I think about how to approach life, if I can say, if I can, if I can take it up to that level. It's not just about productivity. It, it, there's some great, there's a lot of wisdom in how to approach life and that will really help you improve the quality of your life uh, in this book. Where can people go to get it? Wherever books are sold. You know, Amazon is always going to be the easiest um, these days. Uh, if you've got a bookstore that you can still get to, then, you know, a physical one, then you can go there and, uh, uh, you know, ask them to order it if they don't have it in there. Um, it's also, there will be an audio version coming out soon. Um, so I don't know the date on that, the, on the audio version, but it should be sometime in 2020. Uh, Apparently, this book has sold and has an unusual selling pattern in that the Kindle version is just like, you know, far outpaced the uh, paper versions. Um, so, yeah, so it just happens to be the case. Uh, if you're listening uh, and English is not your first language, it is available in nine other or eight other languages. Um, so uh, we can share with you what they are. Uh, yeah. I'll um I'll put the the link or the links in the show notes um so you guys can go uh straight to wherever it's appropriate uh to get yourself a copy. Josh, thank you very much for being on the show. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um I know we could I could certainly talk about this for another hour. Um so maybe we need to get you back on the show. I'm putting the pressure on now doing this uh, in front of our listeners <laughs> in the future. I love I love talking about it. I mean, look, that's the whole point of writing this thing, you know. So uh, uh, it's yeah, definitely had a great time chatting both times. So uh, would love to. So that's it for this episode. If you want to support the show, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Drop a five star review, and of course, you can connect with me on social with the links in the description. Thanks for tuning in. Talk to you soon.